Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at LakersBall.com and Lakerholics.com. Be part of the conversation today at those great sites. Our good friends, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and a big special shout out to our huge following on YouTube. You want to go ahead and support all that? It is sincerely appreciated. Well, with the playoffs still going on, wanted to go ahead and mention that there's another thing going on behind the scenes when it comes to the NBA that's just as important, and that's the NBA draft with all the things that are going on as far as the combines, the workouts, and of course, the just finished NBA lottery. And here today to talk about all that good stuff, who he thinks might go where in this year's draft right now, some early readings, although again, it's always subject to change, even up to the very moment of the draft itself. He's a good man indeed. He is a fellow Lakers fan, and I know he's going to be able to say a little bit about the Lakers because like everyone else out there, there's a lot of opinions on what needs to be done, but he's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the Upside Swings podcast. If you want the best right now in NBA draft talk, The Upside Swings podcast is a great and awesome and the best place to go as well for all your NBA draft news and information. It is Stone Hanson and Stone at report underscore court on Twitter. You're the man indeed and great to have you back on the show once again. Yeah, it's great to be back. I've lost count at this point how many times it's been, but uh, I always enjoy coming back every time. Well, you're more okay. If this was SNL, you're more than five times. So you would have already gotten the golden robe or the white robe and the, and the, uh, the whole, the slippers and all that stuff from Tom Hanks already. So you would have got more than that. I got to get Mikey V back on. Mikey V does a great job with his own stuff. I know he's got, he's got a lot of opinions to say. I know Rafael Barlow's out there. It's great to see all three of you guys advancing so far in the industry. And so, and your thoughts are out there. You're, you're, thoughts your opinions everything that goes on there your following is growing as well just so happy for all through your success but before we get into the nba draft itself my friend you are a lakers fan like i am tried and true you know and felt the entire desolation that was the 2021 22 season you hear now all the things that are being talked about when it comes to the Lakers right now, trying to find a coach, the coaching interviews, what should we do with Russell Westbrook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
what's going on with the ownership, who really is making the decisions. Is it the Kirk, the Rambuses? Is it, you know, is it Magic Johnson? Is it Phil Jackson? Is it Rob Palenka? Is it the guy down the street? I don't know. <laughs> so I want to hear your thoughts first on the Lakers because as a fellow Lakers fan, you know this is a critical time in the juncture for our beloved team. Yeah, for sure. And I think ultimately everything starts at the top. Um, I don't think unless you're part of the organization really that any of us have knowledge of who's actually making the big decisions or running the show. There's probably a lot of influence coming from different directions, but ultimately I don't think anyone truly knows like who, who their um, head chef is, if you will. Uh, I think uh, that coaching decision is actually going to be pretty huge for us. We there's not a ton of like high end available coaching names out there at the moment. I think at this point it would be, I'd be happy with just as long as we don't get a bad coach. If we get an okay coach, that's fine. But I, I think we have to avoid, I, w- I won't bring anyone down, but specific coaches uh, that could not help us in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that we need to make sure it would ultimately be great if we could get somebody like a Quinn Snyder. I don't think he's probably interested anymore, but somebody of that caliber of coach, I think could be the starting point for uh, hopefully a turnaround for the Lakers. I hope so as well. I mean, Frank Vogel, God bless him. You know, he was not given the best of exits and that was not handled very well at all by the organization. And I think that leaves a lot of apprehension for anyone that is coming into the job. I think that's something that's still going to be around as far as that aura, you know, just for anybody stepping in. And of course, you got LeBron at 37. Uh, what is his status? Is he going to be able to give you everything you need as an organization on both ends of the floor? We know he can still score, obviously averaging 30 points a game, but can he give it to you on both ends of the floor each and every night like he did during the championship season? What's the status of Anthony Davis? How is his health? Should we start looking in the direction of trading him as well? Some really good things that are out there, but of course the paramount thing that is being discussed is Russell Westbrook. We see the fact that Russell Westbrook is out there. His name is being constantly mentioned in rumors. Should Is he going to go? Is he going to be traded sooner or is he going to be traded later? Should we hold on to him and have him ride out through the rest of the season and just hold on to the $47 million coming off the books? Your thoughts on Russell Westbrook? At this point, anything's right now in play as much as everybody you know that just really didn't like how he played during the course of the season wants him gone ASAP that may not necessarily be the case that it ultimately happens. Yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate. I think that I think it's time for Russell Westbrook to be in another uniform. He was a great player still probably is to some degree, a great person. It seems like, but he, um, yeah, it, it just doesn't fit with the Lakers. They, have this albatross of a contract that is preventing them from signing anybody somewhat useful to their build around LeBron basically. And they can't because they have this major massive $45 million roadblock in front of them. Um, And I think ultimately you have to 
have any sort of chance to build around LeBron and, and really push for a title and be real contenders, you have to move out of that. Um, LeBron is a free agent next season, and you have one final opportunity to really do it. Uh, and I think Westbrook is sort of the, the roadblock that's in the way. Well, you mentioned two things that I wanted to ask you in regards to LeBron James. First thing is, does he's, you said he would be a free agent. He's eligible to become a free agent next year if he doesn't sign an extension in August. Will he sign an extension in August, do you think? Mm, I don't know. It, I think it really depends on this offseason, honestly. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on how the Lakers handle this and whether they can put around him a team that, number one, he likes, but also is successful. Those two things may not be the same thing, and I think they have to sort of toe that line and figure out what is LeBron okay with, but also what is actually going to be successful on the court and help provide wins because to keep him happy, he has to be in a winning situation. Um, And I think that the Lakers have a very uphill battle to do that. It's not impossible, but I think it starts with moving that Westbrook contract. And let me ask you a second question upon this, because it's now been whispered a little bit louder, a little bit louder. I know the talk is regarding, of course, moving Russell Westbrook. Not sure what you can get back for him at this stage of the summer. Also as well, talk about Anthony Davis possibly being moved because his health is constantly at risk. But what about LeBron James himself? Is Let me put it this way. is Do you see a possibility of everything broke right or everything broke to, to the point where some moves were made that can field a competitive team. Do you think that a pairing of LeBron James and Anthony Davis could still be viable for a NBA championship? I think it could, but it requires a lot more hoops to jump through as opposed to if you were, I don't, I don't know, honestly, because I, I think with the correct team around them, it's possible. The problem is, can you get that? correct team around them even after you move the Westbrook contract um and I'm not sure and I think that I I don't think it's crazy to talk about moving Anthony Davis because he he actually can provide real value coming back for the Lakers he's I mean as great of a player as he is when he's on the court he's just not always on the court a lot of the time so if you can get real value that is and can you know, hopefully help you win and fits around LeBron. Um, I think you really have to look hard at that because I, I don't think that it is a hundred percent locked in that you have to, you have to retain Anthony Davis if something better is possibly on the table. I would even suggest out there, and I know I get a lot of pushback for this about LeBron James. You have to look at LeBron James as possible. If he's not going to be able to sign in in August, as far as a, a contract extension, if that looks like it's not going to be the case, you might want to think about exploring a trade for him because the fact that, again, are, at 37, are you going to get consistently on both sides of the ball? And I'm talking about defense primarily at this point because obviously, obviously offense he's still extremely good at scoring above 30 points a game. But we saw with Chris Paul here in this past couple of weeks in the playoffs that you hit a certain age, you're not able to bring it every night. And if that's the case, there should be some concerns here, you know, how you utilize LeBron going forward if you keep him. But if you trade him, he's still a marquee asset out there. So, I mean, looking at both sides of the coin, I'm not suggesting either which way. I'm just trying to keep it open. And I'm also 
trying to put my ear to the ground as far as all the, the talk that's out there in Lakerland. But if you do not think as a team right now, what in the low thirties that you win, that you're win winning right now, if you're a team right now that only could win a certain amount of games in the low thirties, you need to look at all options that are on the table and you need to go ahead and, and just cannot, you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to discount this. I, I'm going to just keep LeBron and, and AD regardless. You got to look at all the options that are out there on the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's malpractice for a team not to do that. I think every team should 100% have an open mind to always improving your team, even if it's not the most, um, even if it you see it at first and it you don't think that it is the case. I, I think there's opportunity to always improve. With LeBron, it is very much a risk versus reward thing that you're weighing because the risk is, if he isn't happy and he leaves in 2023, you just let him walk away for nothing. And you didn't get any assets out of him, but, and he's still arguably, you know, I mean, easily a top 10 player probably, but maybe a top five guy and you just let him go for nothing. The flip side of it is you're, it's very difficult to get another, I mean, it's the Lakers, but also LeBron doesn't just grow on trees. You can't get them in free agency very easily and you have this talent that you've acquired, do you just try to do whatever you can to push towards a championship because you have this talent that you, you've brought in? And that's a very difficult situation. I think the what I would do personally, and obviously I don't work in a Lakers organization, unfortunately, but <laughs> I think that I would look at what can first start with Westbrook, that's your main priority, get a coach that LeBron hopefully approves of, and then see see what Westbrook brings, see if that opens any flexibility for your team. If that doesn't work, take the next step and see what Anthony Davis garners or brings. Uh, and if those packages help improve your team or fit around LeBron, move forward. But if not, ultimately, I think the the worst-case scenario, in my opinion, is you do start weighing the option of should I just let bring back what LeBron can give me because I don't want him let it go, want to let him go for nothing in, in summer, next summer. Well, the thing is also as well, you got to ask yourself, I mean, as an organization, where are we going as an organization? I mean, you went all in to win and we did, we won a championship in 2020, even though Pat Beverly says it's otherwise it's a asterisk and you know, everybody out there that's, didn't get to win that championship seems to be going at the Lakers for it. But you know what? We won the world championship. It was a, it was a great championship indeed, but you got to look and see as far as what you have. Now you traded a lot of assets away. So you are bereft of assets at this time. You do not have a lot of things to go forward as a organization. So you got to ask yourself, am I going to go ahead and go even more all in now or should I go ahead and start building for the future and try to build something that's going to be effective? Because if LeBron, like you said, leaves, the worst scenario is LeBron leaves. You don't get anything for him. He leaves just in free agency. The Lakers don't win another championship with him. AD either leaves in free agency or something happens with him as far as an injury is concerned. And you're out all of these assets and you're looking at a long, tough road ahead. So I think the, the organization itself has to look in the mirror very closely 
and decide exactly which way they want to go. Because, of course, like I said, they could go up, but how far? I'm not quite sure. But they could also build out and create a, a lot of assets for the team within the next few months that could build the team going forward for the rest of the decade. Yeah, and I think the the other portion of it is if LeBron leaves in next summer and let's say he still had Anthony Davis on the team, would he just request a trade and be like, I don't want to be in this losing situation anymore? And then you're out two assets even further because you're you're still going to get a decent amount for Anthony Davis. But you but wouldn't get what you would get yeah, this summer. You don't have the leverage. Yeah. So it's tough. I mean – I'm generally a proponent of if you have a chance to make a run, you take it because chances to go get a championship don't come often. But at the same time, it's not always the case that you're where the Lakers are and you have absolutely nothing to show for it if you don't win a championship the next season because these guys aren't locked in long term and you don't have assets to replace them or replenish once they do leave and you're stuck with a team that's very, very bad for many seasons. And you're looking at like a four or five year rebuild to be somewhat competitive because there's no picks, there's no young players. I mean, you have Horton Tucker, but he's not leading your rebuild. So it's tough. I'm, I'm not sure where I would lean. Honestly, I don't envy the Lakers position right now. Whoever's making the decisions. This is Raphael from NBA draft and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible, it's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Because the thing is right now, the Lakers at 33 wins. They would have to improve by 20 wins next year. 20 to be in that conversation. And that's a tough ask for anything. And the way to in the way they would have to do it is by moving Westbrook, who's not seen as necessarily an asset right now. So yeah. you you don't have assets to really improve where you are. And yeah, <laughs> I mean you're you're sort of talking myself into trading everybody and blowing it up, but yeah. I mean, because that's I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I'm leaning towards. I didn't say I was all in towards it. I just said that's. To me, I look at everything, try to look as objectively as I can, you know, not you, not yeah. with the heart, but with the head. And in doing so, I have to see what I have on paper. And as far as I have is on paper, I have a 37-year-old individual who is very good on the offensive end, but may not be able to give me what I would need like he did in 2020, because he did everything on both ends of the floor and was absolutely fantastic in doing so. You've got Anthony Davis, who statistically has only played a limited amount of games each and every year. You're going to project out how many games he's going to play. He's going to give you, a, what, an average, what, right, based off the past few years, what, maybe 50 games, 55 games? Yeah. You know, at this point. So that's a tough. And Russell Westbrook, his contract does not become desirable until the trade deadline. I mean, truly desirable for yeah. teams out there. And that's, that's, you're going to be sitting on his contract most likely 
unless you want to trade him for other teams' problems at this point in time. So the, and there's, the questions are there. The 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 as, other aspect of that is you trade him at the trade deadline or whatever, and that's when he becomes an asset, but then you have a lot less time for LeBron to create and, and Anthony Davis to create some kind of chemistry with the guys that they're bringing in from that. And then I think, I mean, next year too, 2023 is an absolutely loaded class. This is like, I, I can't oversell how massive of a class this is and in the level of prospects that are within it next year just so everyone, next, next year, year correct yeah so if you're really going for this rebuild i mean you, you've got to look at trading it before start your rebuild uh before next summer like you're looking at the deadline and this summer to really acquire those assets because um, even as we get more and more into 2023, uh, those picks are going to become more and more valuable because that draft is coming closer and closer. So you're probably getting them the picks for not as premium of a price. They're still going to be worth a lot, but not as much of a price as you would right at the deadline. So there's a lot of factors to consider if you're the Lakers because um, now if you're going to start the rebuild, now is the time with that draft coming up because that, that's an easy way to start not an easy way, but um, a good point to start uh, turning on your rebuild and, and flipping things over if that's what you want to do. Once again, I'm speaking to Stone Hansen. You got to go ahead and check him out on Twitter. Follow him today at report underscore court. And of course, catch his awesome NBA draft podcast with him and the guys at the Upside Swings podcast. That's the Upside Swings podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, there, you talk a lot about the NBA draft, and of course, it's coming up. One of my favorite things to talk about is the NBA draft, even though the Lakers, as of this point, don't have anything to do during the NBA draft unless they buy themselves into a second round pick or something like that, maybe even a first, but a late first, I would say at the best that they could buy their way into. But I think in a draft like even to this year, which depending on who you speak to is okay. I think the general consensus says it's okay. It's not terrific and it's not super bad. There is no definitive number one pick and coming out of the lottery. I think that's still the case because again, if you spoke to our good friend, Rafael Barlow, who is the chief engineer of the Paulo Bancaro train, choo, 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 choo. <laughs> you know, he is all in on Paulo Bancaro and has been for quite some time. Then you have a lot of other individuals out there who are still actually, no, it's, they found they have a refound love for Chet Holmgren because they were kind of shying away from him for the past couple months and leaning towards other areas. Then all of a sudden, you know, Orlando gets a pick and oh, Chet Holmgren. Oh, suddenly our favorite guy once again. And he is right now, ESPN did a recent mock on, as far as I, uh, I think I saw an article that talked about ESPN's mock, that talked about the Ringer's mock and a whole bunch of other mocks. And they put it together and he is the consensus by just a smidgen of a margin as far as the number one pick right now. But then you also have Jabari Smith, who is from Auburn, 6'10", got a deadly shot from the outside can play some really good defense. He is someone that has also been thought of as a number one. In fact, Schmitz from ESPN, that's his number one choice at this point in time. 
So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Orlando came out of it as the big winner. I am happy for Oklahoma City because with their 5,000 picks over the next couple <laughs> of years, um, actually it's, uh, what, 17 number one round. Uh, it's somewhere between 17 and 5,000. Yeah, somewhere between yeah. those two. And they're number two. Then you've got Houston that fell down a couple spots to number three. The Kings in a very precarious position that, that moved up to number four. Then you got Detroit, Indiana, Portland, <laughs> the New Orleans Pelicans with our pick <laughs> at number eight. Now, that actually, I don't mind that too at all because of the fact that if they would have gotten the number one pick out of that, that would have really just, uh, yeah. Know, but, you know, and then you have also as well the Spurs at number nine and Washington at number 10. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. First off, where would you lean to as far as the number one pick is concerned? I know our friends out there in the Philippines would tell you Kai Soto, but <laughs> I don't think Kai is really going to be in that mix per se. But as far as a number one pick right now, where would you lean to or who do you think that the Orlando Magic is going to lean to at this point in time? So those are two different answers for me. I personally would lean with Chet. I think that Chet is just a, a defensive force. He's a real like he's going to be like a real defensive player of the year candidate. I think we're talking, this is the best shot blocker I've ever evaluated or seen rim protector for that. And, matter. And the, let me ask you this on that. Okay. Cause you have Walter Kessler at Auburn, who is a lower first round prospect and he actually statistically beat Chet Holmgren. So if you mm -hmm. could describe to them, you, I know what you're talking about and I've seen the film and I understand that. So when you talk about him being the best at being a shot blocker or at least providing that interior defense over someone, let's say Walter Kessler, who was, you know, just a numbers guy getting those blocks and whatnot, but also is a pretty good defender in his own right. Want to hear your thoughts on how you see those two differently and why Chet Holmgren is so good on that end. Yeah. And maybe shot blocker isn't the best phrase for me to use. Maybe rim protector more because I think those are two different things even within itself. But I think Chet is, far superior in terms of timing in terms of seeing he's 100 like uh, every single possession he's always aware of where the ball is where his man is and where he should be to protect the paint he's going to be somebody that baits people in pretending he's farther out but because he's so long he's able to cover so much ground so quickly he's able to really deter and alter shots at a super high level he comes from behind a lot does a lot of behind the the uh, defender blocks he is somebody that is going to constantly be a rim deterrent guys are not going to want to come in the paint when he's there and as we all know that's like where a lot of the offense starts to happen or be initiated for for teams if you can break defenses down and get into the paint then that's a huge you know bonus for your team and if Chet's mitigating that that's that's a uh a massive asset for whatever team gets him with Walker. I think a lot of it is he blocks whatever comes near him. Yeah. Point of attack guy. Yeah. He's, he's not somebody that's going to be covering as much ground as quickly as Chet. He's just not as mobile, not as athletic, even though he's a lot bigger. I think that he is very prone to jumping and biting at everything that comes near the rim and, that means, you know, sometimes leaving his man to go alter a shot and then it's an easy dump off and his back is turned to his defender and 
and his defender or his uh his guy and his guy ultimately gets a layup because he's not facing him. There's a lot of nuances within the shot blocking that Walker Kessler just hasn't fully maximized yet. And I think that he's intriguing with his wingspan and what he can do around the rim, but I think you want him very close to the rim at all times where I think check can play out a little bit more and understand more of the timing and grasps when he should be ground bound or when he should be, uh, you know, going up for those blocks. Okay. That's a great assessment. That's what I wanted to get everybody in different, because I know that people see the numbers that Walker Kessler was doing and the triple doubles and the, you know, the double digits and the, and the blocks, all that. And they they were questioning why yeah. Chet is a better defender. And that's the, the term defender, better defender overall than Walker Kessler is or Christian Coloco or Williams or Duran or any of those guys out there. So that's why he's thought as well. Plus, as a playmaker, I've, I've seen him. He's a pretty good passer. And also as well, he can hit from the outside, I believe, at a high enough level. But you said you your opinion on this as far as what you think and what Orlando may ultimately do, I think, are going to be different. So you think they're leaning in a different direction. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's between Chet and between Jabari Smith. I think those are the two guys that they're really heavily weighing. I would... I mean, I'm just guessing here. I don't have intel. I would lean that they're going Jabari Smith, but they really like length. They really could use the shooting that he provides for them. A very mobile perimeter defender for being a 6'10 guy. The The reason I don't have Jabari Smith in my top three, like most people do, is he's not a very good ball handler and can't get any paint touches for himself. All of his shots are mostly relegated to the perimeter. There are a lot of... Uh, fadeaways or created by his point guard and hopefully you know with with like the guard all the guards that Orlando has that comes a little bit easier for him but he's just not much of a self-creator at this point in time I think that Paolo would be a viable option for them I personally have Chet and Paolo in, in a tier together at my very top tier but I don't know right now if that's that's really where Orlando would lean as they've shown in the past, they just, they love the length. They love the wingspan and Jabari and Chet both have those. It's funny because Mbamba is <laughs> going to be leaving in free agency and he is someone that has a lot of length and then actually didn't do so bad from the outside, but was never fully utilized. I think in the way that Orlando just, you know, between injuries and, and expectations, I don't think he was ever utilized in Orlando the way that they could. Uh, but hopefully that if they decide to get Holmgren, they'll, they'll go ahead in that direction. Or Smith. When it comes to Boncaro, as I've spoken to Raphael on this, I'm just worried about the defensive instincts because he tremendous passer, can play make. I've seen him at the top of the key do a lot of great things as far as initiating the offense. Of course, he can go ahead and drive, handle the ball, not a problem, and actually is got a burgeoning three-point shot. So not quite there yet, but I've seen him being able to go ahead and hit from the outside. So that's something that he could develop, I think, rather easily. The concerns I have as far as the defensive instincts, and I've seen him, especially during the tournament, I think was a great case with regards to that, as far as him shying away from contact and him also shying away from really getting into being in a defensive position. Your thoughts on Paulo Bancaro on that end as well. I mean, that's that's the concern I have. Offensively, there's no question. Defensively, that's the thing. You would have to make sure that there's a lot of defense around him if you get him as your main guy. 
Yeah, for sure. And of those three, I would say I would agree that Paolo's probably the, the worst defender currently of the three. I dove pretty deep on him, and a lot of it comes back to he's not the most aware off-ball. He tends to ball watch quite a bit. Somebody He just doesn't have, like you said, instincts defensively. He has all the tools, the frame. He's massively built, so it's a lot easier to have a guy on that end defensively as opposed to like a really small guard that's not very good defensively. I think he becomes less of a liability just simply because of the frame and tools that he does have. Personally, I would prefer to play him more as like a center defensively. I think he's built strong enough for it. And I think if you can keep him in a confined area that he can really focus on as opposed to being more mobile on the perimeter, that that may benefit him more. So that's sort of how I view him, but I think that well, with... six ten two fifty, yeah, he is. A, yeah. He's a beast there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that he can grow into being a neutral, a fine defender. I'm not sure I ever envision him being like you know really a plus plus defender or anything. Okay, I agree with you on that. I just something that he has to focus on, and I think if he gets in the right situation, he can become a, an average defender. But the early years are going to be rough. I'm just going to say on that end of the ball until he gets, like you said, some type of awareness or instincts that he can truly develop on the defensive end. But offensively, there is no question. And I know that everybody has talked about there that he would be the leading rookie of the year candidate simply because of the fact that he is more NBA ready than any of the top candidates right now. And I agree with that assessment that I think that like everybody else out there, and I don't want to sound like an old hat, but I'm sounding like an old hat that he could go out there and roll out of bed on an NBA game and average 13, 14, 15, no problem each and every night. So I definitely see that as being the case once he gets into the NBA. So the only thing is that, is he going to be able to develop into that star player that a top three pick would ask you for? You know, when you're looking to get a top three pick, you're looking for a guy that's going to transcend your franchise. Yeah, for sure. And you know, unfortunately, the Lakers could use somebody like that, but uh, <laughs> we don't have a pick. But I do think that this is for all the talk of this draft not being the most star power, which I agree with at the top. There's only a couple of guys. And after that, it comes it becomes pretty difficult to find guys that you think are going to be like all star level, in my opinion. But I think it's a very deep class. I think there's a lot of guys that could be useful in the second round uh, or even undrafted free agents because of the games the agents like to play. And hopefully, you know, the Lakers could utilize much like Austin Reeves uh, last season. Absolutely. I do believe that there's a lot of individuals out there who probably won't get drafted, who I think can not only make a team, but make a contribution. It is Stone Hansen. It is one of the guys behind the Upside Swings podcast. You got to go ahead and check him out today on the Upside Swings podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here with the Lakers Fast Break. Thank you so much, Stone, as always, for joining us. Looking forward to having you back on right here, talking NBA draft and the Lakers on the Lakers Fast Break podcast.